following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Our first reading today is from Isaiah. Um, It is Isaiah chapter 65, which I had bookmarked and lost. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Yeah, which is found on page 752 of the Church Bibles. Uh, So that's Isaiah 65, chapters 1 to 9. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call on my name, I said, Here am I, here am I. All day long I have held out my hands to an obstinate people who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations. A people who continually provoke me to my very face, offering sacrifices in gardens and burning incense on altars of brick who sit among the graves and spend their nights keeping secret vigil, who eat the flesh of pigs and whose pots hold broth of impure meat, who say, keep away, don't come near me, for I am too sacred for you. Such people are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that keeps burning all day. See, it stands written before me. I will not keep silence, but will pay back in full. I will pay it back into their laps, both your sins and the sins of your ancestors, says the Lord, because they burnt sacrifices on the mountains and defied me on the hills. I will measure into their laps the full payment for their former deeds. This is what the Lord says, as when juice is still found in a cluster of grapes and people say, don't destroy it, there is blessing in it, so I will do on behalf of my servants. I will not destroy them all. I will bring forth descendants from Jacob and from Judah those who will possess my mountains. My chosen people will inherit them and there will my servants live. And our second reading is from Luke chapter 8, which is found on page 1037. Um, And this is going to be Luke chapter 8, verses 26 to 39. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus... He cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. 
The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go away with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, James. Let's pray together, shall we? Loving God, we thank you for your word and thank you for your spirit who brings your word alive to us today. Lord, we pray that we might have attentive hearts, attentive minds to hear your voice speaking to us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. On Tuesday morning, God willing, I will open my curtains and look out on one of my very favourite views. At about 5.30 in the morning, I will see the sky turn pink as dawn breaks over the Sea of Galilee in northern Israel. And I will watch as the sun begins to rise over the hills on that eastern shore of that great lake. I can't add you to the list of Cranmer Hall students coming with me on pilgrimage this week, but I do want to take you there in your imagination this morning, because it's on that eastern shore that today's story from Luke's Gospel takes place. And I want to invite us to imagine ourselves into that story, and in particular to pause at one specific scene which Luke describes. I hope and pray that if you describe yourself as a Christian, you're encouraged to uh, engage with what might be a familiar story in perhaps a new way. And if you're here this morning exploring faith or coming to church with more questions than answers, I hope this will help you see Jesus through a more vivid lens and explore what meeting him might look like. So the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee has a series of beaches beyond which are some steep cliffs. But these aren't kind of craggy, rocky, stony cliffs. This is, everything is incredibly green and lush. In a place called Kersey, which is the specific site associated with this story, there are the remains of a Byzantine church set in what is now a nature reserve. When I was last there, it was June, and yet it's not kind of parched and arid as so much of southern Israel. This is verdant and flourishing. I was there with a the family, and we were virtually the only people there because it's somewhat off the pilgrimage beaten track. And the scene is incredibly peaceful. 
It's almost as like the kind of green grass is echoed in the sounds, the water lapping on the shore, the, the gentle wind coming off the hills. It's an ideal place for animals to feed, and yet there were none there. It was quiet, tranquil, and still. But if we're honest, that depiction only takes us so far as we imagine our way into the story that Luke tells us in chapter 8. If you've got your Bibles, you might want to have them open. Because the scene that Luke describes on that Galilean shore on that particular day was anything but peaceful. The scene is hectic, noisy, confusing and stressed. Well, think about it. There's the demon-possessed man to start with. His behaviour is being shaped by the evil forces occupying him. This results in him shouting and screaming in constant, unfettered movement, in physical threats, hence the chains, in turning up naked. You know, if this guy turned up, you'd know he was there. And your day would be anything but quiet as a result. Then there are the demons themselves, these spiritual forces of evil who've taken up residence in this poor man. They're clearly restless and thirsting for power, driving this man to wild behaviour. They add a kind of base note of danger and threat to the whole scene. And then into the picture come the pigs. A sign, by the way, that we're in non-Jewish territory here. Uh, The demons enter the pigs and the pigs rush off the cliff and headlong into the sea. That was not a neat experience. That was noisy, it was chaotic, it was dangerous. Have you seen pigs run? You know, if you got in the way, that was going to be a threat. I know, by the way, this scene is not without problems. We'll come back to that later on. And then they've got the the people who are tending the pigs. They start running around as well, raising the alarm about what's happening. You can imagine them running as fast as they can back to town. Then they bring a crowd back from town to see what's happened. And they ask Jesus to leave. And this is not a terribly orderly, you know, one person, would you mind awfully, sort of possibly going back. This is a kind of mob threatening Jesus. You've got to imagine the language. You've got to imagine the raised voices, the shouting, the imploring, please go. You wouldn't have heard the lapping water that day. You'd have heard the screams of the possessed man, the noise of the pigs, the horror of those tending them, the pleas of the crowd for Jesus to go away. And yet, in this overall picture of chaos and confusion, there is one scene that stands out as being completely different. Luke describes in verse 35 that the people came back from the town and found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. The man from whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. The demons are gone. He's no longer being controlled by these evil forces. He's sitting, able at last to be still in the company of another person. He's clothed. Rather than being naked, all the social shame and stigma that comes from that. And he's in his right mind, able to think clearly and act carefully. This scene of stillness and peace has only been made possible by the extraordinary transformation that Jesus has brought into this man's life. 
It's the most beautiful scene, a scene redolent of attentiveness and worship. I wonder who was speaking and who was listening. I wonder what it felt like for that man to be present with Jesus. I suspect it was the only place he wanted to be. He wanted to be close to this person who had transformed his life. All the things that felt new, the clothes on his skin, the quiet in his ears, the smell of another person close by, it all be made possible by Jesus. Others saw Jesus as a threat. His power was concerning and unsettling. But for this man, Jesus' power was comfort and hope. To be in his presence was the only place he wanted to be. He wanted to listen and he wanted to worship. And I think that explains that very tender moment at the end of the story when Jesus prepares to go back across the lake to Capernaum and this man is desperate to go with him. It's a, almost a tragic scene, isn't it? He wants to stick with Jesus, to kind of be present with him always. Perhaps he thought that if he wasn't physically present, Jesus, things would go back to how they were. But Jesus has a mission for him to tell others about what has taken place, to be an evangelist for God in the Gentile territories on the eastern shore. And yet even then, in that final exchange, there's a final clue about what this man has come to realise about Jesus. That if you notice it, Jesus says, return home and tell, ho- tell how much God has done for you. But Luke tells us the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. This man realises that in Jesus, he's actually seen God at work. In other words, it's not just what Jesus has done, It's who Jesus is. I think we have to recognise that there's much in this story that's A, specific to this story, this person, this man and this time, and B, not a little confusing. I can't resolve why the demons wanted to go into the pigs or why the pigs had to meet the soggy end that they did. I can't comment with complete confidence about what demon possession was, other than to be clear that it is not to be confused with a range of mental illnesses today. The great Russian writer Dostoevsky wrote a novel called Demons, inspired in part by this passage. It's the most gripping take on what demons could look like on a society level, but you'll be glad to hear that's for another day. I don't think, therefore, we can draw neat and tidy connections between everything in this story and our lives today. Apart from this... The Jesus at whose feet the man sat that day is the same Jesus who I believe is alive and we can meet today. So we can think of their encounter and at least imagine ourselves into it. And is our context so very different? A chaotic world of our own and our own experience of confusion? Our global context is one where evil is a real threat, where control is being grasped. And our daily lives is a reality where the rising cost of living creates uncertainty for ourselves and for others. In that context, what does it mean for you and for me to be still and sit at the feet of Jesus? Just imagine yourself there. You're sitting, still, 
and quiet at Jesus' feet. What might you be conscious of what he has done for you and who he is for you? Jesus, you didn't write me off when others did. Jesus, you didn't let my sin be the last word, but forgave me my public and my hidden sins. Jesus, you freed me from the power of addiction. Jesus, you helped me break the cycle of bitterness and blame. Jesus, you didn't leave me to hide in my shame. Jesus, you helped me see what really matters in life. Jesus, you stopped me trying to impress others and live for an audience of one. Perhaps something more in the present. Jesus, you helped me know that whatever happens, I am safe and I am loved. Jesus, you show me that when the future looks dark, you will always be my light. Jesus, you assure me that whatever happens in our world, you are still Lord. Perhaps it's something about who Jesus is. Jesus, you are the creator of the world and the creator of me. Jesus, you are the one in whom all things hold together. Jesus, you have the future in your hands. Jesus, what a beautiful name. Perhaps as you sit, other words come quickly to mind. Perhaps the words don't come easily. But as you sit in the presence of Jesus, you're just aware of who he is for you. And slowly, perhaps, the words begin to form. One of the great joys of my role at Cranmer Hall is interviewing people as they come to explore whether Durham is the right place to train. In their application form, we ask them to share something of their faith story, and I then meet with them for an hour. And it's an amazing privilege to hear the very different ways in which Jesus has met these people, and they have met Jesus. It is always personal, it is always transformational, and it's always ongoing. Perhaps you're listening to this this morning and you're thinking, I've never met Jesus. I've never heard the invitation to sit down with him. Can I invite you to do so this morning? You see, the amazing news is that Jesus is alive, as alive to us as he was to that man on that Galilean hillside. Yes, we can't see him, but he promises his Holy Spirit so that we can know his risen presence as real for us as I'm gripping this lectern. It may sound strange, but Christians for 2,000 years will testify that Jesus can be with you anywhere and you can sit with him. Perhaps you've walked with Jesus for some years and you've taken his seriously, his command to go into the world and tell of his work. You know, that bit about being sent out and living out your vocation as a parent, as a colleague, as a boss, that's absolutely something you take seriously. But simply sitting with Jesus, that's been harder recently. 
I know what that feels like. Can I invite you to come and to sit, just sit with Jesus afresh? In a chaotic and a sometimes threatening world, just sit in his presence and let him show you all he's done for you and all he's doing for you. When on a sunny day you lay out on the riverbanks in Durham, to get a tan you don't have to do anything in particular or say the right words, you just need to be still. So it is with Jesus. Just turn up and sit with him and see what he shows you. You see, when it comes to our vocation as missionaries in the world, we can't tell of what we do not know and we can't witness of what we have not heard. So I wonder if this passage is an invitation to join the man on that Galilean hillside and simply to sit at Jesus' feet and to soak in all he has done for you and all he is for you. Later on, we're going to gather around the Lord's table. I think this is a God-given opportunity to be with Jesus and to receive him in our hearts as we receive bread and wine. Because as we celebrate communion, we're not just remembering what Jesus did for us when he died off on the cross, although we're certainly doing that. We're also receiving the risen Christ afresh as we are nourished spiritually with his body and blood. This is just such a special time to be with Jesus. Listen, Sunday lunch will wait. Don't miss this chance to sit with Jesus as the man did that day. I want to end with the words of an old hymn which speaks to me of the Jesus who invites us to sit with him. As I sing, please let these words inform your prayers and then we'll all have the chance just to sit with Jesus as a man did on a Galilean hillside 2,000 years ago. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down, thou weary one, Lay down thy head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, Weary and worn and sad, I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give the living water. Thirsty one, stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus and I drank of that life-giving stream. 
My thirst was quenched, my soul revived, and now I live in him. I heard the voice of Jesus say, I am this dark world's light. Look unto me, thy morn shall rise, and all thy day be bright. I looked to Jesus, and I found in him my star, my sun. And in that light of life I'll walk till travelling days are done. Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham podcast. If you'd like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.